Hello, welcome back. I'm James Paniki. It's great to be with you again. This is MLEX's weekly podcast. We cover the biggest regulatory stories from around the globe and we do it with the assistance of our team of reporters. And there was huge news out of Brussels this week because this was the week that the European Commission announced the long-awaited proposals for new rules affecting digital companies. Of course, our regular listeners know all about these two bills, the Digital Services Act and the Digital Markets Act. We've talked about them many times before. And while there is plenty of conceptual overlap between the two, we'll tackle them one at a time. In the second part of today's podcast, we'll put the DMA under the microscope with Lewis Crofts. First up, though, the DSA. Now, when implemented, these rules will allow authorities to remove illegal content from online platforms. The Commission will also establish a sophisticated enforcement mechanism under which this would be possible. It's significant enough to prompt speculation that what's being called the too-big-to-care culture of digital platforms may now be on borrowed time. Matthew Newman is our Brussels-based chief correspondent covering data protection, privacy and telecoms, and he joins us now. Uh, Matthew, uh, first up, just remind me what the DSA is and tell me something about how it will help fight illegal content online. Hello, James. Yeah, it's a pleasure to talk about the Digital Services Act. This is probably one of the most important um, pieces of legislation that's coming out of Brussels this year and will set the tone for the next two or three years uh, as it goes through the European Parliament and the European um, Member States. Uh, Digital Services Act comes in at a whopping 74 articles, 86 pages, and at the heart of it, it is making the largest platforms take greater responsibility for the way they moderate content, remove illegal posts, provide transparency on advertisers, and vet third-party suppliers. Um, All this is because the companies will now have uh, much greater uh, duties, um, transparency duties. Uh, they'll have to share data with authorities, uh, how they uh, process uh, information, and they have to uh, actually explain how they're complying with the rules. They'll be audited. If they uh, repeat, uh, have repeated failures of this, if, they, if they're not transparent about the information, they could be punished with fines up to 6% of global sales. Mm-hmm. Now, Matthew, this is a considerable additional burden on them. You can understand why the digital platforms might be unhappy with uh, this kind of a proposal. Oh, yeah. I, the big big tech companies, um, they, they see this as uh, uh, kind of an overarching uh, in interference in the way they work. Uh, they think it's going to be a hit on uh, innovation. Uh, they, they, you know, they don't like to be told uh, that... Uh, They'll have to tell um, authorities uh, about their um, uh, algorithms. Um, so all that is, is bad news for big tech. There are some good things in the, in the regulation we'll get into, um, but overall this is more regulation. This is Brussels uh, telling big tech uh, that they're on watch and that there are real consequences if they don't comply. Well, let's talk about one issue which is always uh, a big topic of discussion in Europe, and that is the sale of counterfeit items. How does this measure ensure that traders uh, who sell goods online aren't selling fake stuff? Yes, this is an important issue uh, around the world. And in Europe, uh, there's a lot of luxury goods companies that have been fighting for this, uh, brand owners. Um, So what happens is that the companies will... uh, have to 
uh, actually vet their traders. So that means that there's a requirement for know your business customer, uh, which is means that the platforms will have to request information from traders using their service. Um, they'll have to be responsible uh, for verifying that these traders are actually uh, in an official um, online database, uh, and they'll have to request all the relevant documentation for that. Um, so all this sets up a traceability of the businesses' users online, and if you're a brand owner, you can um, complain directly to uh, what's called what the local authorities or national authorities about the platforms. So there is much, much more responsibility uh, for platforms to police illegal uh, goods, counterfeit goods. Mm. Tell me something about recommender systems. Now, this is when I might, uh, say, order a pair of slippers on Amazon, and before I know what's hit me, I'm being hit with recommendations for, uh, you know, Viagra or whatever the case may be. What kind of duties will platforms have to inform users about these systems? Yeah, I mean, if you're getting um, some strange recommendations like Viagra uh, and, and you're wondering why, this could also be on YouTube, this could be on, uh, let's say, Facebook, where you're getting weird stories, you're getting conspiracy theories, and you're extremely annoyed by this. So citizens have been upset about this, these systems, they don't know how they work. Um, they, they actually put people in kind of these news bubbles, these information bubbles, which is bad for democracy. Uh, so in this new regulation, uh, there's an option to um, actually no longer receive recommendations. Um, they get to uh, modify the criteria that can be used, and the uh, users won't have to take the company's word for it. They can actually um, scrutinize their actions through um, independent auditors and vetted researchers will actually get information from the companies about how these recommendation systems work. So there's a lot more scrutiny on these systems and that is not something that the big tech companies will like, but this is one of the things that uh, they've has really been becoming a problem in the last uh, four or five years uh, about these systems. Well, Matthew, they, they won't like it because it's their secret source, right? This is the algorithm that uh, powers these uh, platforms. This is one piece of information that they don't want to give up. Yeah, on top of that, uh, there are also going to be some more uh, transparency requirements about advertisers. So, you know, the Google and Facebook, they're big advertising companies. Uh, they're not just uh, search engines. So uh, platforms will be required to disclose um, you know, who's advertising, uh, and that goes for political ads. Uh, this has been a voluntary requirement um, uh, that the, they've signed up to for the last couple of years in Brussels, but now this has real teeth. Um, so anybody who uh, wants to know exactly who's behind an ad can find out, and so that's really an important thing too. Now, in terms of how the DSA updates the EU's liability rules, there is, in fact, some good news here for the platforms, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, it's an important thing about the uh, DSA, and that is that we're actually talking about updating rules that are 20 years old. So uh, this is the e-commerce directive that was passed in, in the year 2000, uh, which just seems to be outmoded for the way uh, most uh, companies operate. Um, so the the main principle in that directive was that platforms are not responsible for the material, the content on their 
uh, on their platforms because uh, if they see that it's illegal and they remove it um, right away, then they can't be sued for that. Uh, so that's, that's really helped them grow uh, immensely in the last 20 years. Um, but one thing that's kind of been a, uh, a question mark about their liability is what if they take these voluntary uh, measures, let's say they have um, upload filters uh, and they're removing all this illegal content. So they're, they're aware that there's illegal content on their, on their platforms. Would they lose their liability protection because of that? The rules weren't clear on that at all, and here in the Digital Services Act, they are. And this is called the Good Samaritan Clause, so a voluntary, proactive measures like these upload filters um, that, that they keep their liability uh, exemption. So that's mm. good news for platforms. Now, we love a good enforcement story here at MLEX. Uh, when there's a dawn raid, we love to report on that. Uh, we usually do the follow-up when it ends up in court. Tell me about enforcement in this context, in the context of DSA. Will the European Commission have greater powers or fewer powers? Well, this is, I think, a really uh, important part of the Digital Services Act because what it does is set up a whole new uh, coordination system. Uh, each member state will have to uh, name a digital service coordinator. That will be a single point of contact for the European Commission and it will set up uh, something called the European Board for Digital Services. So what's, what's a good regulation without a new European board, right? <laughs> so uh, this is an advisory group for the European uh, Commission, um, but basically what it does is it uh, makes sure that the DSA is being enforced, so each company has to have a um, main establishment um, in, uh, sorry, a legal representative in the EU, um, and where they have their main establishment, that is where they are regulated. Um, that all sounds great, uh, but what happens if the national uh, digital service coordinator doesn't take action? Let's say if there's hate speech that uh, is on the platform and somebody in France is really worked up about it, uh, how do they take action from a platform that, uh, let's say, is, uh, has its main establishment in Ireland, which is the case for most of these big tech companies? Well, the um, authorities can send uh, a request to take action, uh, and if the, uh, there's a dispute about that, that goes to the European Commission. The upshot of all this is that uh, for the very large uh, platforms, we're talking about Google, Facebook, Twitter, it's more likely that the European Commission will investigate uh, any kind of problems with enforcement. And that's because a lot of these small countries just don't have the resources to handle uh, these kind of probes. And the, the irony of all this is that it, it was supposed to be delegating powers to national governments, but in the end, the very large platforms will be regulated by Brussels. Now, you've just mentioned the fact that uh, many of these global platforms have their European headquarters in a European country, namely um, Ireland or Dublin, the city of Dublin. Uh, will these rules apply to companies outside of the EU? I mean, I ask this question because they could easily sidestep this kind of regulation simply by moving their headquarters overseas, right? Sure, sure. I, I mean, it's one of the concerns uh, in Europe is like the most of these platforms are based outside of the EU. So if, if you're doing business in the EU, you are responsible for following these rules. 
uh, and, and as I said, you have to have a legal representative uh, in, in the EU, um, so you can't escape that. Uh, so we're talking you know, Chinese companies or Brazilian or it doesn't really matter where they're from. They will all be responsible for that. They'll have more duties if they have um, 45 million users. So that's the more responsibilities, I would, I would say. Um, but all companies need to abide by these rules. Uh, and that's probably it's good news for the users in Europe. They, they know that they can get uh, action. And also good news for the European companies because it's a level playing field. They, they won't be undercut uh, by, by uh, large U.S. companies that, that won't be able to, that won't follow the rules. Matthew, thank you so much for talking us through uh, these developments and thank you for all of your work in the course of the year. I'll speak to you soon. My, my pleasure, James. Thank you very much. Matthew Newman, MLEX's Chief Correspondent, covering data protection, privacy, telecoms and cybersecurity. He was speaking to me from Brussels. And we'll post a link to Matthew's analysis of these developments at the usual spot. MLEXMarketInsight.com. That's M-L-E-X MarketInsight.com. Just click on the Insight Center tab. And in just a moment, we'll take a look at the DSA's sister draft legislation, the DMA, and why the bill is likely to keep the big tech companies awake at night. This is MLEX's weekly conversation on regulatory affairs. Thank you for sticking around. My name is James Paniki. Now, established internet giants and the digital gatekeepers of tomorrow have one thing in common. They could all find themselves on the receiving end of dawn raids, information demands and interview requests for top executives. All of it predicated on the need to comply with what are set to become the European Union's tough new digital rules – aiming to reduce the market power of Google, Amazon, Apple and Facebook. Lewis Crofts is MLEX's Brussels-based editor-in-chief and he's with us now. Lewis, what's new here in the sense that we've always heard about the European Commission cracking down on big tech, uh, well, at least for many years now. So what's different about this proposed legislation when compared with uh, previous years of big tech busting out of Brussels? The DMA, the Digital Markets Act, is essentially um, an admission. It's an admission that competition law and all these big flagship cases that the European Union has run over 10, 15 years didn't quite work. It's, you know, um, shackled Microsoft and Intel and Google and companies like that. But they take ages and they don't always um, arrive at the outcome which consumers want you know they arrive at arguably the outcome that the law competition law can do but they don't have this sort of reformative restorative impact on on markets that's point one and point two is these competition laws which are well known and haven't changed for for decades can't land a glove on some of these new kinds of conduct and some of these kinds of companies for example um, you have to be dominant which is maybe easy for someone like google in search engines but might be trickier for someone like apple who while is a very present part of our lives doesn't doesn't uh, produce the largest amounts of phones in the world that's you know samsung or huawei or others so what the dma does is it tries through hard law which says you can do this and you can't do this uh, sort of straight out the gate um, prohibitions on certain kind of conduct, which would usually take years and years and years to investigate to arrive at that prohibition. So it's a kind of there's an automaticity to to this regulation. Okay, so that sounds quite revolutionary. But how much uh, does the proposal that we heard about this week? How much does it resemble 
the original intent of European authorities? Yeah, so I think it is revolutionary because the European Commission is once again, probably alongside the Australians, at the forefront of trying to redesign new redesign a new regulatory structure and say, you know, there has been a groundswell over the last five years that some of these companies are too big in our lives and they need to be brought to heel and that the tools that we've got can't do it. So, you know, the Commission should be congratulated for having a crack at this and it will be torn down and criticised from many, many sides. But what did it want to do? Will it will it actually fulfil that aim? Difficult to say. Um, I think what the Commission also wanted at the outset when it floated these ideas back in the summer, it wanted two things. It wanted new reg- new prohibitions and obligations on gatekeepers, what are called gatekeepers, which is usually Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple. And it, it's it's got those. How much of those remain through the sort of um, ugly sausage-making procedure of um, legislation and co-decisions, it's called in Brussels, remains to be seen. But the other thing that the Commission wanted, which it didn't really get, the Commission wanted a brand new tool. They wanted a brand new stick that it could hit stuff with that it didn't like. And what I mean by that is if it saw an emerging problem, it could intervene and really act quickly to sort of sort out a market that it would see was on the cusp of falling into the hands of one company. And uh, that was a pretty revolutionary demand and it didn't really survive the drafting procedure so far. And that what was known in the in the in the jargon as a new competition tool uh, that didn't really survive, and that's sort of the first defeat, and that was an internal defeat. It hasn't you know this has only came out the uh, European Commission building uh, this this Tuesday, um, and it's sort of um, you know it won't be put to the lawmakers and the European Parliament, the governments. Uh, so uh, that's something which the Commission has admitted it would it was a bit of it was a tall order to try to ask for that new power. And Lewis, just remind us very briefly of why we are talking about gatekeepers. Why is this concept of gatekeepers so central to uh, the discourse on antitrust in the European Union? Yeah, so gatekeepers, you know, you've struck it. That is an excellent question, James, if I might say so myself, because <laughs> um, everyone asks, what the hell is a gatekeeper? You know, the first, the, and the, the start of the regulation says, how do you designate a gatekeeper? What is a gatekeeper? You know, arguably, if I want to sell my flat, I don't own a flat, but if I wanted to sell my flat in Brussels, there's just one really big website where I would go to to put it on there. They're arguably a gatekeeper for the, for the uh, real estate market in, in, in Brussels. Uh, and it's surely you can't have EU legislation to crack down on a Brussels website. But uh, gatekeepers is shorthand for companies which stand uh, like a sort of colossus uh, in front of the port. And everything, if you want to get into the port, you have to pass between the legs of the colossus of roads. And, you know, arguably, you know, critics would say, you know, gatekeeper, whatever, you start with the gaffer, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, and you work backwards. And you, you can you call it what you want. They're the people that they're trying to get to. And so they, you know, Amazon obviously would be a colossus um, for online retail and Google for search and Facebook for social networks. And so the commission has sort of designated these particular particular sectors and uh, surprise, surprise, the gaffer would be the gatekeepers of those sectors. You know, what the Commission's also done is it's cast the net so wide, it's given it a, um, a definition of online intermediary services, which frankly could mean anything. 
And so it, there is a chance that other people could be designated gatekeepers, such as Booking.com could be a gatekeeper for the uh, you know online um, hotel booking industry or flight booking. And indeed, other, you know, Airbnb or Uber or, or other people like that could indeed be caught. The commission set other thresholds, which are ones based on market capitalization and turnover, which are such huge numbers, which, you know, really only, again, the gaffer will fall into that. But, you know, this is a, a strange balancing exercise for the commission. On the one hand, it just it, it wants to get gaffer first and foremost. But on the other hand, it sort of doesn't really want to say that because that could be seen as discriminatory. It could annoy the Americans. And then you get an EU-US sort of um, spat at a time when they're trying to kiss and make up. Mm. But whatever the language, gaffer, presumably all of those companies know that they are being targeted by this, uh, this proposal. Now, I mentioned in passing with Matthew the chance that these directives will face opposition, um, not and not just from the companies themselves, but from other political actors as well. Is that likely to be the same with the DMA as distinct from the DSA? I mean, is there likely to be serious pushback from both GAFA and I suppose the US government as well? Yeah, I think well, yeah, we'll get pushback from a number of um, quarters. I think GAFA is obvious. I think then the next circle out of gatekeepers will be keen not to be dragged into this, and that could be the Booking.coms of this world. Uh, some US lobby groups and business groups have criticised um, the, the proposed legislation, both of them, the DMA and the DSA. Um, arguably, that's a little bit, could, you could say it's a little bit tin-eared because, you know, the world's moved on in the last few years, sorry, America's moved on in the last few months. It's brought cases, its own cases against Google, its own cases against Facebook. And so, um, you know, America is not what it was five years ago where it didn't like, you know, it, it, it was sort of saying to Europe, get off my land, you know, and it's, it, so I think that the, the, the debate has moved in America. Interestingly, I think you'll get some opposition internally as well, while the big capital cities, Paris and Berlin and, and Warsaw uh, and The Hague, they, they, they like this regulation because they like, you know, they, they like what it sets out to do. They're going to be worried that it somehow tramples on what they do. You know, that some of these countries have their own laws and they have their own powers to take on these these kinds of conducts and these kinds of platforms. And they're going to be worried that this is a bit of a power grab by Brussels. This is what's known in the jargon as harmonisation, which, you know, um, in, in real English is, let, you know, Brussels knows better and wants to do it its way and tramples on, on the national approach to things. So, uh, and there'll be European Parliament, sorry, the European Parliament, which is 700 odd people, which um, no one knows what happens when you chuck a law there. Now, you've already talked about the gatekeepers, but uh, in terms of other issues of substance, what are likely to be the main battlegrounds as this uh, legislation weaves its way through the European Parliament, the Council, and then uh, finally back to the Commission? Yeah, it's a couple. I mean, the the first one's going to be designation. So, how do you how do you say what a gatekeeper is? And there are these. Yeah, there's a threshold of market capitalization, sixty five billion. Um, you know, market capitalization changes every day. So, is that a good number? Why not fifty five? Why not forty five? You know. Uh, there's going to be, um, uh, you know, to be a gatekeeper, you have to have one core service, what they designate as a core service. Why one? Why not two? You can't be a gatekeeper, really, if you're just in one com- one country. You have to ha- have a sort of significant position in, in three. So, um, you know, all of that's going to be up for grabs and they're going to be people sort of, you know, um, nipping at that. 
Then there's going to be the all important part, which is what are the services? What are, so well, what are the prohibitions? What can you do? What can't you do? Uh, there's going to be, you know, should Google hand over its data to Bing to help the Bing search engine? You know, how should Amazon have to handle the data it gathers across its retail platform? Uh, that will be a big, big old fight because that's the nuts and bolts of it. And then there's a sort of third part, which is what are the commission's powers of investigation? How much, you know, how big is the stick that they can hit people with? What are the fines? How big are the fines? Can they ask companies to sell off, you know, split off different parts of their business, which, uh, you know, is possible in other parts of EU law. But that really is how much teeth will the law have? And that'll be another battlefield. Lewis, thank you so much. It's a, a fascinating uh, development um, and thank you for keeping us up to date. You're welcome, James. Lewis Crofts is MLEX's Editor-in-Chief. He was speaking to us from Brussels. His reporting on the DMA is available at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. Just click on the Insight Centre tab. That's mlexmarketinsight, all one word, dot com. And it would be negligent of me not to tell you that you can subscribe to MLEX Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. If you're interested in the subject matter and you know someone else who might enjoy the podcasts, don't hesitate to spread the word or even retweet the link from the MLEX Twitter account. We really appreciate your support. We obviously need all the help we can get in getting our humble podcast out there to the masses. Next week, we might enter your feed a few days earlier to make way for the Christmas holidays. I hope you can join us then and that you can, at the very least, download us ahead of your socially distanced winter or summer break, depending on your hemisphere. I'm James Panicki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor at MLEX. It has been great fun. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. <music>